You're listening to Catholic Faith on the Move podcast, a journey on the road to heaven. In this episode, we're going to get shocked with Peter Crave's Jesus Shock. We're going to learn about St. Kateri Tekakwitha, the Lily of the Mohawks, and go on pilgrimage to a couple of shrines in upstate New York. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle on us the fire of your love. So what if there was a quiz at the start of a book and every answer was the same? Does that sound like a book that we should read, or does that sound like a book that would just be too simple to read? It would be a a two-page book. Well, I think it sounds like a book that would be for everybody. It probably would be, because the book we're talking about is Jesus Shock by Peter Kraft. And we won't give it all away, but it is quite interesting, and it starts off with a questionnaire, and it's interesting questions, and what's great is it goes through all the answers with an in-depth explanation of why each one is so. And for me, that alone, that first section would be worth reading this book. It was pretty eye-opening when you took that quiz. You know, I, you took the quiz and, and since I was going to read the book too, I, you know, obviously I knew all the answers when you were done, but um, it made you think about things. You know, it wasn't the first answer off the top of your head was just definitely not the way things were pointing to in the book um, as it uh, unfolded. And, you know, it kind of, I mean, it did make it interesting. It made it a, a really good examination of where you're at in your head with your faith and um, what you think the center of your world is. Yeah, I thought that that's, that was the meat of it for me at the beginning. It kind of leads you into the rest of the book. And in the second, second section, it talks about the data of Jesus shock and Actually, in this section, what I really liked is when they talked about um, the reasons why we need to be shocked or uh, gives us some reason that like one of the quotes is about uh, boredom and it talks about the opposite of total pleasure is not pain, but boredom. And we're willing to risk the pain to make a boring life interesting. So... I thought that that whole concept was something to really ponder to think about that boredom issue. And it's so evident in our world today is uh, the things that people get themselves into because of boredom, because they're trying, they're really looking for Jesus in their life, but they're replacing it with all these other things just that just aren't the truth. And so they don't have that same fulfillment. Yeah. Just finding anything to try to fill the gaps to, you know, to spice up their life or to try to what they think is making their life complete. And it really, it really does the opposite. I will say we did this uh, book for our book club and some of the, uh, how people thought about it was a little bit mixed. Uh, Sometimes people thought it was like harder to get into. Um, Myself, I think I'm just in this Eucharistic mode. So it was just fascinating to me. But one of the quotes that he said is, by the way, if you get mad at your Mac laptop and wonder who designed this demonic device, notice the manufacturer's icon on top, an apple with a bite out of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I just never thought about it. But, you know, when we are all consumed by our uh, iPads, I, iPhones, and you see how it literally possesses us. It's almost like, did he mean did he really? that? Or? Is there a connection with uh, Steve Jobs in that? I'm not sure. Yeah, but it definitely makes me think. Now, every time I look at my iPad, it's like, mm, have I kind of taken a bite out of the apple? Yeah, and in interest of full disclosure, uh, Sue did just read that quote off of her iPad. So, you know, it's there. <laughs> it's definitely there. But yeah, it was an interesting, interesting read. And a lot of, um, just a lot of really good nuggets. I mean, when you boil it down, uh, when you get through the book and you start to boil it down, you know, it comes to the whole concept of real presence and that you know, Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. And that, you know, if he is truly present in the Eucharist, then everybody who doesn't believe that from a faith-based, you know, perspective is getting it wrong in a big, big way, you know, and if he's not, then all the Catholics are just wacky. So um, just it boils down to the fact that he is truly present in the Eucharist. He told us he was going to be truly present in the Eucharist, and that was his gift to us um, in, the, in the form of sacrament. So uh, that's that's the critical piece of the book. And the next section in the book kind of talks about the shock in the Gospels. And I thought it was interesting that a couple of people didn't like that word shock. And I think that when you think, a lot of people tend to want Jesus to be loving and sweet, but when you actually fluffy. go to fluffy, fluffy Jesus, and when you go through and they give all those examples, now they don't say shocked, but you hear they were amazed. They were in wonder. This was too hard to believe. They were astonished. You know, uh, that keeps coming up. They were in wonder. And the Pharisees, they couldn't do this. As a matter of fact, when it came down to the big question of it being the true presence, most of the people went away because it was too hard for them to believe. It's too hard to deal with. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, all those words that you said, they're all, they're all synonyms with, with shock. And so it's just from the get-go, he was not out to, to be fluffy Jesus. He was out to change the world. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to make the world change. And one of the things that Peter Kreft keeps coming back to is it wasn't all these other differences. We think about the Mary and the, uh, the indulgences, indulgences or... and all these other things. It was that true presence that they couldn't get over. And that still is today. And what's sad, even in our own uh, Catholic religion, they have found, you know, with some of the surveys that even Catholics don't understand that this is the true presence. And the foundation of the real presence is another section where it goes through and talks about how you truly cannot deny the real presence. And that's one thing that I found is we're reading, especially or listening to and learning from a lot of these great Protestant theologians is they go deeper and deeper, like the Scott Hans, they, when they get to that section, they can no longer deny that truth. Right. That's the tipping point for them. When they, when they get to that, that's, you know, that is the real basis for uh, the Catholic faith. And what Jesus taught us when he was here on earth was that he was going to give us that gift of the Eucharist and the sacraments and that he was truly going to be present. He didn't say this represents my body, take and eat. He said, this is my body, take and eat. And if you, 
you know, if you understand that fact, then you understand the faith. Yeah. And when you look at that history, it is the Eucharist was the center of all Christian worship up until the Reformation. I mean, all Christians believed in the same thing for the Eucharist. So uh, it really goes back to that history in the very beginning and what they believed from the very beginning. Uh, so I love how he goes to that section and, and he talks about a lot of scripture and then it works up to, you know, so what do we do now? So if we're, we've gotten, okay, we're shocked. We understand it. We know how important this is. And we see in the gospel and we hear all the information for believing in the true presence. What now? And what, it, what he boils down to is adoration is that if we truly believe that that is the body and blood of Jesus, then adoration is the answer. Right. And I think that um, when you get to that point of the fact of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is um, the keystone for faith. Uh, he tells an analogy in, in there of, uh, I think he said it was an old Chinese saying, but uh, whatever uh, that, Three uh, people, fact, faith, and feeling, were walking along a wall. And as long as uh, uh, fact went first, and as long as faith kept his eyes on fact, then he was safe walking along the wall. But as soon as he turned around to look at feeling, instead of focusing on the fact, he lost his balance and fell. And I think we see that in, in our church today or in, in other uh, faiths as well. When we try to make everything about the feeling and not about the fact, uh, there is no basis for the faith in feeling. There is only basis for the faith in fact. Yeah. And another thing that uh, he keeps coming back to in the book that I loved is the beauty. Is it's truly, it's the truth and beauty that attracts us to Jesus. And one of the quotes is, only God may be adored because only God is unlimited goodness, truth, and beauty. And thus, only God deserves unlimited love. And I think that that's where it comes down to. It talks about the beauty of the faith, the beauty of the liturgy, the beauty in our buildings and our feeling, how we come to do that. You know, God comes to us in that true something that we could feel in our humanness. Um, so we could truly understand that. And we, and we have to express that love for God. Um, in the beauty of the objects that we, you know, we worship him in the, in these beautiful churches. And that's the reason why uh, he deserves that beauty. I really enjoy this book. I think that it brings out a lot of points. Um, someone else thought that maybe this was more of a beginning type of book. Uh, I really do think that for someone new to the faith, this kind of has a lot of good information. And, uh, but for anyone anywhere in their faith um when you're really trying to get that true meaning of the eucharist i think that there's so many points to truly ponder to look at there's so many wonderful quotes and just ideas to kind of think about and to draw you closer to that eucharist it's it's amazing i i really enjoyed it yeah i think it's a an excellent resource like you said for anyone along uh, wherever they're out on their faith journey because it's got so much 
um, richness and it's, and it talks about, especially for someone who's, um, considering the faith coming from another, um, faith perspective, you know, because it really delineates the, the difference between Catholicism and other, uh, forms of religion, because, you know, it's the, it's the true Eucharistic presence, the, the fact of that presence that is the dividing line. And it really does a great job of explaining that, setting it up with the scriptural references and everything. It's a really excellent resource for that. And um, one more quote that I really thought was important was, our culture has filled our heads, but emptied our hearts, stuffed our wallets, but starved our wonder. It has fed our thirst for facts, but not for the meaning or mystery. It produces nice people, not heroes. And I think in today's world, we see that we truly need heroes um, to hold on to our faith, to help us all to draw us together, to make us all stronger. And I know that I started reading this book during adoration and it just brought out the tears right away. Cause just the truth and that beauty and what we need to learn more today. And um, just that desire for myself to get to know Jesus better through the Eucharist. Um, but for other people also to do that. Right. Yep. An excellent resource. We'll have a link in the show notes to find that book online. Uh, it is Jesus Shocked by Peter Craig. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes and drop us a review or a rating. We'd certainly appreciate it. Our saint today is St. Kateri Tekakwitha. She was born in Auresville, New York in 1656. Uh, she died in uh, 1680 on April 17th. She was of uh, Algonquin and Mohawk Indian heritage, and uh, her mother was actually uh, a Catholic uh, Algonquin woman, uh, and her father was Mohawk. She um, and contracted smallpox. There was a smallpox epidemic that went through the area. And uh, at the age of about four years old, she uh, contracted the smallpox disease. Yeah. And the smallpox was, uh, it scarred her face so badly that uh, she, almost to the point where she was almost blind. And matter of fact, uh, Tekakwitha means one who bumps into things or one who grasps. And, um, I always kind of thought about that as interesting because throughout her life, um, she reached out or she grasped for that faith and that desire for the Eucharist. Very prophetic. Kateri had taken a vow of perpetual virginity, and um, during that smallpox epidemic, her parents died, and she was adopted by her uncle and his wife. And uh, as she got to, I don't know, age 17 or so, they had tried to get her married off and she refused because of her vow of perpetual virginity. And she essentially just ran away and um, ran towards uh, Montreal area and uh, came across the Jesuit fathers who were there and they kind of took her in. And that's where she, uh, her searching for the Eucharist, her search for faith and Catholicism um, culminated in her coming into the church at the age of 19. Um, and that's where she got the name Kateri, which was her baptism name um, for St. Catherine of Siena. But her journey was always very hard. Um, she finally ha uh, ran, a ran off from her relatives and she was uh, taken in by some Christians 
and the Jesuits that had come to that era area. And for a long time, she studied and prayed to receive the Eucharist and it took her quite a long time. So I always feel that she is a great one to uh, pray to about the Eucharist because her great love of the Eucharist. And I always like that um, she did have a friend and they would go around and they would help all the other people that needed help while she herself was always still quite sick because of that smallpox, but she always helped other people. And she also took on great penances uh, throughout her life with, which probably, um, didn't help and may have let, you know, help lead to her early death. And she was known for her great love. And I, I like a lot of the depictions that have her holding the little wooden crosses. And it's, and, um, it said that she would make those little wooden crosses and lead them all around the wooded areas. And then, uh, near the end of her life, I think she thought that it was coming and um, and everyone could see she was deteriorating and they came around and upon her death, uh, she had a miraculous healing of her face that had been scarred. She Her skin became clear and beautiful. And of course this, um, you know, went around to all the people in the area. So they came and so from right away, uh, she people uh prayed for her intercession and um yeah she's being venerated just almost immediately after her death because of that that miracle of her skin clearing up but it did take a while for her to get the official um, authentication of miracles um she was beatified in 1980 by um, pope john paul ii and then canonized in 2012 by Pope Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. And Tecquith is featured in four national shrines in the United States. The National Shrine of the Blessed Kateri Tecquitha in Fonda, New York, which uh, I went on a pilgrimage with some friends and we're actually going back there this coming week. And the National Shrine of the North American Martyrs in Orisville, New York, uh, which we'll also be visiting and I've been to and they're about five minutes from each other and the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. And then the National Shrine of the Cross in the Woods. It's an open air sanctuary in Indian River, Michigan. So that's one we need to put on our list. Let's so, put that one on our list. Yes. We'll and it's fitting that, that she's in an open air shrine like that because she is the patroness of the environment. That's one of her things that she yeah. watches out for. Yeah. And I remember um, on our trip down south, uh, I had just come back from the shrine and I had several of her cards and I left those all around because a, a lot of the people were uh, praying after Katrina down there. And I know that when we went down to um, New Orleans, I know that the sisters down there said that they had ha- they have a... Um, had prayed and yeah we when we were down there that was the uh it was the oil spill was going on too yeah and so that whole that whole mess of the environment that that made mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of prayers going out to kateri for that so mm-hmm. yeah it was kind of uh mm-hmm. kind of way, interesting how it all kind of just ties together mm-hmm. uh, god incidents matter of fact at our parish uh quite a few people have a devotion to kateri um originally our parish is kind of out in the middle of the woods and i know that 
some of the Boy Scouts had uh, made a bridge out in the woods that goes to our outdoor uh, chapel, altar, and... altar where we have some outdoor masses, and they had, had um, named it in honor of St. Kateri. And also, uh, the last few years, there was something um, around, usually around Easter, but all throughout the year, we have some beautiful stained glass of uh, Pope John Paul II and mother Teresa of Calcutta. And when the light shines through that, it looks an awful lot like a young Indian girl and looks nothing like the glass. So when someone noticed that they remember seeing a Holy card of St. Kateri. And from then on, I think that everyone kind of looked at that and kind of thought that in a way, in our own special way that St. Kateri was watching over us. And of course it was in our adoration chapel that it happened. And even though we have um, remodeled our church, uh, that stained glass is in another place, but now it's actually in our, in the working sacristy behind the altar. And that's (laughs) where she shows up. So, and we also do have a statue of St. Kateri and, um, I will say that it seems like there's quite a few. Of course, now that she has become St. Kateri, there's quite a few Kateris during the Easter vigil that we've noticed that have been uh, Taking up. the saints' names, And yes. I think it, it, she is a great saint for young people to look towards because of um, her chastity and her dedication and her love of the Eucharist and, um, and also her caring of other people and putting other people before her herself and her own needs um there's so much we could learn from her and her dedication absolutely um she is definitely a great saint saint kateri pray for us check out our blog and other information including links to our facebook and twitter pages at our website catholicfaithonthemove.com or send us an email at catholicfaithonthemove at gmail.com So appropriately enough, on pilgrimage today, we are going to go to St. Kateri Tekakwitha Shrine uh, in Fonda, New York. It has actually uh, been marked there since 1938 um, as the Fonda Memorial of Catherine Tekakwitha. Um, the Indian village was uh, was actually found and unearthed about 12 years later um, by Father Thomas Grossman. He was a Franciscan um, friar, and he helped to uh, found that shrine. Um, what's interesting, though, is it couldn't be called a shrine until 1980 when she was actually a blessed. So um, until then, it was just a, a village and a, and a place where people could go to draw closer uh, to Kateri and um, her graces that, that flowed from that area. Now, you've, you've been there, so you know what it looks like, honey. So what's a, tell us about what it's like there at the shrine. Okay, well, the shrine is a lovely place to visit, but I will say it's quite modest. Uh, it's very different being uh, a place of Native American. I would say that the chapel is has a very pioneer feel. Uh, you go upstairs and it's a small little chapel and it's all wood. And it's very interesting. It, there's some paintings and some mu- little murals on the wall. And it's decorated and surround it's full of um native american art so it gives it a total different feel but it definitely was a nice place to sit and meditate um it was very interesting and um i felt like i learned a lot being there also there's uh 
some stations of the cross that you could go and look. And of course, there's a little gift shop and just the grounds. It's very nice. And I think that they do have some, uh, the day that we had originally visited, uh, it was raining a lot. So we didn't go back there, but there are some uh, well, like holy wells and some waters that people go back and get some water. So I, I believe I read that that was, um, there was something about, she was, was that the, the holy water where, or the holy well where she was baptized at yes, too? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people do go back. I think we drove back to that area, but uh, we didn't get to get out, but it would be a nice place to kind of hike and spend a day out in the nature and praying. And I think that it's an excellent little visitor stop and um to learn more about kateri uh you can go to katerishrine.com and we'll have a link for that in the uh the show notes as well now there's another shrine you know that you mentioned not too far away from uh the kateri shrine right is that the uh, shrine of the martyrs yes and i think that they all kind of want to now that she's saint kateri they all kind of want a a little piece of that uh that pre-colonial or colonial <laughs> yeah. time period. Yeah. Uh, so I think that action. they've kind of, uh, the two shrines kind of go back and forth about who has the most, you know, relevant information or, uh, but I think they're five minutes apart. There's really no reason if you're in the area not to go to both places. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now the, the shrine of the martyrs, um, there were eight North American martyrs that are, um, uh, you know, being remembered there, they were, um, three, uh, Jesuits, um, that would be, uh, father Isaac Jogues and his two lay companions, Rene Goupil and John Lalonde. And then there were five other, um, martyrs, um, in Canada, martyred in Canada in the same decade in the 1600s. Um, and so this shrine is, is dedicated to those eight North American martyrs, um, in total, uh, all three of them. Um, so what's interesting is, is that, uh, that, Isaac Jogues, um, Father Isaac Jogues was a Jesuit who was trying to, um, you know, convert the Indians and convert the, the population in the time period there. Um, they were captured and taken prisoner um, by, the, uh, by the Indians in the area and then were martyred. And again, this shrine, we went to visit that last time, and it's also quite unique. It's a stadium shape, and it actually has all the different little entrances as a stadium. But it's quite large and uh the seating inside is wood it's all wooden and the altar is four-sided and each side is very unique with different carvings and kind of representing the different martyrs and there's several statues and areas and uh I found it really interesting to just walk around and read all the information. There's been a lot of historic events happening there. And again, they have a beautiful large grounds and hopefully we'll have better weather again. Like I said, uh, it was raining, but they do have a large grounds with different uh, shrines and places to go out and visit. And I think that, we were lucky because the wonderful organist was playing and practicing the day that we went there. So we did get to enjoy that. That's interesting. And you know what? I've in a totally bizarrely unrelated thing. Um, 
there is a, a, a new missile um, that's in the works by some folks that are putting together uh, basically a hymnal missile kind of project, and they're actually calling it the, uh, the Jogues Illustrated Missile. And I always wondered where they got the name, and now I know where they got the name because it's named after Father Isaac Jogues. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about Sanctuaria and more about these martyrs that came and really had an impact on that area and and catholicism coming and they did you know they gave their lives to try and save and again i love how uh kateri had that love for the eucharist and talking about jesus shock and and she had that love for the eucharist and it was that love of the eucharist also that you know drove the um the jesuits to come and to share that um, message of Jesus and his love with the Native Americans here. Right, in the New World. Yeah, if you want to learn more about that or um, find out directions on how to get there, if you want to take your own pilgrimage to the to either of these two shrines, um, for the Shrine of the Martyrs, the website is martyrshrine.org, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. We'll see you on the road.